Chelsea fans, welcome back to another edition of The Lad from Matthew Har and Sam Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Holcomb. Thomas Tuchel's Blues will have to respond to adversity for the first time under the Germans' reign, losing Sarri lunchtime against West Bromwich Albion 2-5 in shock and fashion. To recap, Chelsea's most devastating performance of the season so far. I'm excited to welcome on to the podcast the wonderful Dean Mears from the Chelsea Fancast. Dean, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today, man. How's everything? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, shame it's such a bad game, but um, yeah, still excited to chat all things Chelsea. Well, thank you once again, Dean, for coming on to the podcast today. And that's where I want to start, right? Of course, that lineup that Thomas Duco put out one hour before kickoff. There's been a lot of talk about rotation, especially after this international break and the positives and the negatives of the break, right? And those also included Mason Mount not getting a start against West Bromwich Albion. And then, of course, Tammy Abraham has been a talking point that we get into a little bit later. And Angola Conte, of course, who has a little bit of an injury from France duty. So that's where I want to start with today. Of course, Mendy kept his place in goal with Aspidaqueta. Silva returned with Kurt Zuma. Reese James kept his place right wing back. And he was playing alongside Jorginho and Kovacic in the midfield, of course. Mark Swanzo gets the start once again at left wing back. And then Hakim Ziyech, Timo Werner, and Pulisic. The last time we saw this was against Manchester City, of course, back January with Werner and Ziyech to his right and Pulisic to his left. So an hour before kickoff, when the sign-up came out, how confident were you that we were able to get the job done? You know, still very confident because you're playing West Brom and you're expecting Chelsea to, in the form they're in, to just continue that sort of under Tuchel and, and go forward and win the game. You know, he's been able to, you know, drop players and bring players in and they've still performed at the level that, you know, we've expected of them. You know, it just didn't happen yesterday. You know, totally West Brom. Um, you know, ran us over basically. And you know, what this team has never liked is being punched in the face. Uh, and that's what West Brom did very well. They punched us in the face several times yesterday and we, we couldn't respond. Yeah, I was a little bit shocked to see, I guess, Timo Werner in this lineup. I know Thomas Tuchel talked about in his Friday press conference that he was going to get the start right, especially after a subpar international break for him, of course, highlighted by the miss that he had against that cost of the German team against North Macedonia. And, of course, he hasn't really scored that many goals in the Premier League over these past couple months, which has been a shame. But Thomas Tuchel, it seems like he really wants to get this player going, right, because he knows how much talent he has. He talked about how he's been scoring goals since he was six years old. Now he's just not putting in the back of the net. But once again, he got the start. I thought Ziyech was quite good in this game in the first half before he had to get sacrificed, of course, for Andreas Christensen, which I don't think was the best move by Thomas Trickle, but we can get that into that a little bit later on in the episode because I did think Ziyech had a pretty productive first couple of minutes before he, of course, got subbed off. And that's where I want to start because Tammy Abraham, of course, not in the squad once again. We'll get into him a little bit later on, but... Chelsea had early dominance in this game, and it was really entertaining football match right in those first 20 minutes of the game. And then finally, Marcus Alonso's free kick goes off the bar. Pulisic, quick to react, scores his first Premier League goal in a long time. First goal under Thomas Tuchel, of course. So it was great to see him continue his confidence that he's putting on, right? Because he scores against Northern Ireland in the international break for the United States in the friendly, and of course, gets an open play goal against West Brom. So his confidence is booming. Of course, he picked up that injury before halftime coming off of the second half, which we'll get into a little bit later. But what are your thoughts on the first 20 minutes of the game? Because before that red card, Chelsea looked pretty threatening. And after Pulisic scored, it looked like it was going to be a pretty relaxing afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you know, the front three was working pretty well. And, you know, with the pace they've got and the quality they've got, you know, it looked like it might be a good afternoon for us. Um, 
you know, as you say, the, the red card sort of changes the game. There are a couple of sloppy moments before that anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, Pulisic, it felt like he's sort of coming into, you know, some form at last, you know, hopefully trying to keep it consistent. And obviously he goes off injured again. You know, it's obviously a concern for for all Chelsea fans, you know, that he can't seem to play very often without, you know, getting injured. And, you know, as for Timo Werner, when your strikers can only score goals by being on the pitch, I have it, perhaps he missed him being, a, you know, the central striker on his own, maybe hindered him a little bit. And as you say, that... Um, the substitution from the red card taken off Hakim Ziyech, you know, that was a you know, the mistake from Tuchel, I think, that sort of changed the game. Perhaps he should have gone for a back four and kept them free up front to um to really try and hurt West Brom. And those were the line positions that he make, right? Of course, he had to have in mind Mason Mount put all three of those games for England, right? Ben Showell, of course, played two of them. Sorry, I left wing back for Gareth Southgate's squad, but I think that Thomas Tuchel got a little bit arrogant, right, in his lineup choices. And I think this is probably, and he said it after the game, it's going to be a big wake-up call for him. The introduction to him, I think this is really going to show him just how difficult the Premier League can be, right, that a 19th place team come to Stamford Bridge and pull a pretty dominant victory at that. So now let's get to that silver red card, right, because it was a pretty devastating blow. He's, of course, had bad juju versus West Bromwich Albion this season, of course, being the main reason why, they scored a couple of goals back in September, and then he gets the red card after picking up two pretty shameless yellow cards in the game. I think he was kind of lucky that first yellow card that he got, that it wasn't a red. Sam Allardyce talked about that. I think he should have been a red because it was an open play goal. Zuma kind of thought of his feet, and then Silva tripped him up in the outside the box. Luckily for him, it was a yellow card, but then, of course, that second yellow card, where he probably doesn't have to get, on his, uh, get under his legs, right, to block that attempt. From West Bromwich Albion, it's a it's a second yellow card, it's a red card for Chelsea, it's a really bad return for Thiago Silva, but also that costs us going forward, right, attacking wise that are in the game. So, what were your first thoughts when you saw that silver red card? Because from there, after Pulisic scored only like a minute and a half before then, the game plan and also our emotions really changed so quickly. So I actually missed the the first yellow card sort mm. of live, so I didn't actually see the challenge. So when I see the second one. You know, it's, it was never a yellow card. You know, I know he's he's off the floor, but he's nowhere near the player, and the player sort of kicks him more than he takes the player out. But perhaps, you know, like you said, the first one could have been a red, so the ref sort of balanced up two bad mistakes into getting the right decision after all. Um, yeah, you know, we look good, and then that changes sort of everything, and perhaps arrogance from Tuchel, like you said as well, you know, he still goes to try and stay with the free at the back and take the game to West Brom. And they, they picked us apart because, you know, it left our midfield exposed. And, you know, what we all know about Jorginho, what he's fantastic at, you know, we know what he's not good at. And Tuchel's done a very good job of, of masking that by keeping, you know, it tight around him. And he opened us up basically to West Brom. And, you know, the way they picked us apart was embarrassing, really. You know, it was sort of the defending we had seen under Lampard and, you know, Lampard took, you know, huge amounts of criticism for the way we defended. But, you know, perhaps, you know, there's an element of those players, you know, like we said, that aren't good enough. And, you know, Tuchel's done a great job of masking that until now. It was the first time two real weaknesses from Jorginho shown right under Thomas Tuchel because he's had three defenders behind him and he has win backs to either side of him. 
I think Kovacic too, although I think he was pretty comfortable in those tight spaces yesterday and he created a little bit of a buzz for us going forward defensively. I mean, just not really active, not pressing when we don't have the ball. So they really showed those weaknesses yesterday of that midfield too, which is why I think we missed Conte so badly. Of course, he goes to France international duty, picks up a knock, of course, before all games. I won't talk a little bit about Porto a little bit later on here, but I just think that the midfield, the midfield batter really lost us this game. I don't think it was quite the attacking with. I don't think it was the with from the fullbacks because I think Reese James probably was one of our best players on the pitch. But that midfield, I think, really costed us because the likes of Mateus Pereira and OK Yukonzlu from West Bromwich Albion really controlled this football match, right? I think Mateus Pereira was the best player on the pitch. Of course, he scores those two amazing goals before halftime because we're thinking, okay, we're down to 10 men, but there's only five minutes up before the break, right? So let's just get into the dressing room with a 1-0 lead and we'll regroup after that. But those two goals before halftime really changes that second half game plan for Tuco, right? And it was just such bad sloppy defending not like unnecessary passing mistakes, playing out from the back. I think something that Tuco might I mean, I think he does have to improve on going forward because we've seen that Chelsea have been a little bit lucky so far under Thomas Trickle playing out from the back because there has been some errors that haven't been converted from the other teams. But West Brom took advantage of those errors, right? I think probably two of those five goals, even three of those five goals probably shouldn't have been. It was just because of our midfielder defense playing out from the back. I think our play has to get a lot better in that area of the pitch. And it really costed us, right? Because right before halftime, we were feeling still pretty confident we could get the job done, but then Pereira scores two fantastic goals in a span of just two and a half minutes. And we go into the dressing room, not knowing what the heck we're going to do. And Tom Struggle has to change his game plan really fast going into the second half. Yeah. I mean, the first goal for me was, you know, criminal, you know, the way is a long ball and, and Zuma and Christiansen, nobody goes for it. Uh, Mendy, in no man's land, not communicating as well. And then, you know, Pereira just lifts the ball over his head and into the net. And, you know, that's obviously a sucker punch for us. And then to concede again before half time, as you say, you know, throws everything out the window and, and they go into half time, sort of wondering what the hell's gone on rather than going into half time and discussing the way they're going to go forward with 10 men and win this game. And, you know, obviously that's, you know, two huge moments that, could have been should have been avoided rather than than could have because of, of poor defending and you know what I like about Zuma is he's you know strength in the air the first goal he should attack it I think in my opinion um you know the second goal passing it at the back is always risky and you heard the West Brom bench through the game you know Preston 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 because they know that you know we can make mistakes and we're there to be got out you know when when the opportunity arises and you know fair play to West Brom I think you know for for being so clinical, I think we've gotten away with a lot of stuff this season under Tuchel so far. Uh, and we were punished, you know, yesterday, rightly, I think, in my opinion. That's probably too, they've been a team that have kind of struggled to get those goals in the past couple of weeks, right? But I think that on Saturday, I mean, they just completely were so clinical, right? Diogne, of course, getting the goal in the second half, but... Before halftime, that completely changes our mindset going into the second half. And I think that we probably could have sucker punched a 1-0 victory if we would have had that lead heading into the break because I think that it would have been a different, uh, completely different game plan. And then, of course, coming out of the tunnel, 
Christian Pulisic pulls his hamstring. He's the one that goes over to Thomas Tuchel that tells him that he probably can't continue. Mason Mount comes on, probably was going to happen even if he wasn't injured. But Pulisic probably wouldn't have been the player to come off. We were thinking that it was going to be probably a guy like Timo Werner, right? But Pusik pulls up, but it's a shame, right, too, because he scored that goal, of course, I think, alongside James and Mount. I think he was probably our best player on Saturday, even though he probably had some bad moments as well. But in that first half, he provided some dynamic runs on the left-hand side. He was really going right at Matt Phillips. I think probably he was one of the worst players on West Brown job, and he was taking advantage of that matchup on the left-hand side. And after he pulls up, Mount comes on, of course, he scores a good goal, and he actually links up with Werner Lady in the second half, but it was, it was really too late. So how much do you think that changed the dynamic of the game going forward in the second half? Because Pusik was providing that energy going forward. That's something that we needed, especially when we went down to 10 men, and we just didn't have that dynamic attack in the second half from those forwards, right? Because we only have, of course, had Werner and Mount. So what were your thoughts on Pulisic once again having that minor injury, even though it's going to probably keep him out, hopefully not too long of a time. It stops his momentum. It's a shame too, right? Because he scored in the past couple of games for his club, but also his country. And he was developing this momentum and it looked like he was going to be really good and he was going to be in this lineup for probably the Porto game if he continued playing like he was on Saturday. But he pulls up again. And it just completely stops his momentum that he was building because he had a pretty good first half in that game. But once again, we just can't rely on him to stay available. Availability is a big ability, right? And going forward, he's going to be, he's going to have to be available for Chelsea to win the trophies that they want to win. But once again, it looks like it's going to be out for a couple more games, Dean. Yeah. I mean, like you said, his performance in the first half was, was, was pretty good. And, you know, the fact that he scored probably kept him on the pitch and that's what forced Tuchel to take Dietrich off. Um, you know, he probably would have taken Pulisic off had he not scored. You know, that directness, that willingness to run at a defender and take them on is something that the other wingers don't possess. You know, it's a skill that not many wingers have in the Premier League anymore. It's something that stands him apart from the crowd. It's something that, you know, terrifies defenders and makes teams go on their back foot because they're worried about what these players will do, you know, when they get the ball in behind them. You know, there's a lot been said already about Thomas Tuchel, you know, knowing Pulisic as an impact player off the bench, not he's not started many games under Tuchel. This has sort of been his first sort of real go for him. And, you know, like you said, availability is, is a great ability to have and he doesn't have it. And perhaps now Tuchel's thinking, you know, I can't trust this guy to stay fit for long periods. He can't start games. He's going to be an impact player for me and that's going to impact his, you know, future for, for Chelsea, for America as well. And in his career going forward, if he can't sort his body out for the demands of the Premier League and, and stay fit for a long time, he's a fantastic player. He was our best player last year after the lockdown and the restart of the campaign. You know, He really helped push Chelsea towards the top four. He's a fantastic footballer. He has ability that I love in a winger. You know, take players on. You know, you love to see that. Used to be what... Um, Ian Robin and Damian Duff used to do back in the day, you know, get the ball and look to go forwards with the ball, you know, but as you say, if, if he can't stay fit, you know, I fear for his Chelsea career as, as well as his own career. It's a shame too, right? Because there was an article pre the match 
that he was talking about his confidence and how it's at an all-time high right now compared to earlier in the season. But now he's probably not going to have to play against his Porto. He's probably not going to have to play against these uh, these two Porto legs. There was a game against Crystal Palace that he really thrived in both fixtures, of course, last season, scoring two goals in them. And it, it's, it's a huge disappointment for the player because he's getting paid a lot of money right from the club. He was a big fee. He costed a lot of money. And like you mentioned, he played really well after lockdown last season, but once again, highlighted by an injury in that FA Cup final that just never got him going to start off this season. So it's just really a shame for Pulisic. I hope that over the summer, the United States not making the Olympics might be able to help help him because he won't be playing high-intensity football during the summer. He won't be playing in the European Championships, of course. Right? He'll be at Cobham, hopefully, with Thomas Tuchel. And he'll be able to work on his game, but more important, I think, work on his body and work on what can and doesn't work for him. I think, right, Lampard was kind of developing a a plan for him going forward before he, he of course, departed. And, like, how can we make this guy dynamic, but also how can we make this guy be able to appear in every single game, right? And right now, it's just – it's not a thing that he possesses, but hopefully going forward, he can work on it maybe – this freshness that he's going to have over the summer will help him in the long-term run going forward next season for Thomas Chukwu's plans. But I'm going to move into, of course, the midfield and the defense because I think this was the first game that our errors, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, this was the first game that our errors are really apparent because we knew that we had weaknesses in this midfield and our back three, but they just never shown out. We make a couple mistakes that lead to goals highlighted, of course, by I think that first goal. And it's kind of a repeat of the Southampton goal scored a couple of weeks ago. Zuma's caught flat-footed. And, of course, Pereira goes literally right by him from probably five or so paces behind him. Like, he was way on sides. And Sam Johnson, of all people, gets the assist. I mean, give me a break. And it's just such poor defending from Zuma, but also – from Aspilicueta, from Christensen, everyone around. And it was the first moment that we went like, okay, this might not be so great because we're going to halftime. They got a goal now. Completely changes the rest of the game. Zuma, once again, I think, Bahar Taco Silva's mistake, I think probably was the worst player on Chelsea's pitch. And I've been harsh on him because Rudiger, I think we really missed him yesterday because I think he's been absolutely amazing in this defense he's of course brought that arrogance that we love to see in a Chelsea footballer and Zuma although he had a really great start to the season he was banging in goals but he's not being able to do right now from set pieces but his defense just hasn't been that great and his weaknesses in a back three have shown out more than it did in a back four and once again he was caught flat-footed which of course led to that first goal so just your thoughts on the defense of a whole, Aspilicueta, of course, I think there was a report earlier today that he had a little bit of an argument with Reese James after the game about defending tactically-wise. So this defense has to get their act together for this Porto game. I know it's one small blip, but we probably shouldn't be overacting to it too much. But once again, I mean, it's a big error from the defense leading to goals. These errors aren't necessary. And that's really the only way that West Brom got into this game. Of course, he scored that one really amazing goal from Pereira. The, 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 I believe it was the third goal, right, where he caught out in the volley. Um, oh, no, that was, that was the goal that that was the goal that Colin Robinson scored. I think that was really only a good goal from West Brom. But other than that, it was defensive errors leading to their goals. And once again, Zuma gets caught out flat-footed. And he doesn't really look impressive. And this is the reason why he's not playing games. And I think 
We really missed Rudiger yesterday. I was kind of disappointed to see him not go into the middle. I understand it because Christensen plays that middle role better than he did. But Rudiger, man, I think I think we really missed him yesterday, and I think it showed in that Zuma mistake. Once again, defensively caught out flat-footed by the goalkeeper, Dean. Yeah, I mean, Zuma's obviously been the biggest loser of the swap from Lampard to Tuchel because he's gone to free at the back, and it, it doesn't suit Zuma whatsoever because he's not comfortable with the ball at his feet. He's not great, you know, with his distribution. What he's great at is, you know, defending, you know, well-timed tackles, great in the air. He works better in the two, you know, and, and Tuchel switched that, and it, he looks uncomfortable when he's playing. Having said that, when he has come in recently, he, he still looks solid, you know, but, you know, the role suits Rudiger, you know, much better. And we, I know we've got a big game Wednesday and perhaps, you know, he's looking at the squad and trying to get players to stay fresher for games. But, you know, we really missed that le- leadership, really. You know, Rudiger's very vocal. You know, I know Thiago Silva was very vocal, but obviously after the red card, you know, you lose that vocality at the back. And, you know, Christensen doesn't do that. Zuma doesn't do that. Asby is not allowed leader, you know, from defence, although, although he's captain. You know, and as you said, you know, the weaknesses that we know were, were compounded yesterday, you know, and it, no surprise to me that Asby and, and Reese James had words because Asby at right back gets found out because he's lost that yard of pace. So he needs Reese James to be really tucked close to him to help protect him when he's playing that right central back role in the free. And if Reese James isn't there, he's going to get found out time and time again. Christensen can't play in a two because he's not, you know, he's not strong enough, in my opinion. In a free, he can drop out of those challenges and allow those two centre-halves either side of him to attack them and he just sweeps up possession. The, the first goal was an example of that, where the ball goes in between Christensen and Zuma and, and nobody um, nobody looks to attack the ball. They're both standing staring at each other and the player runs through. For me, the goalkeeper needs to do better there. He should be you know, screaming at the back four. Someone should be the back three. Sorry, somebody should attack the ball. And he should read it better as well. He can see the player running through. He should be dropping, dropping a couple of yards and you know, not allowing the player to chip the ball over. You know, I know we've said it already. Visually, they're not great defenders you know, outside of Thiago Silva. You know, Rudiger is good, not great. Christians are good, not great. Be good, not great. Zoom, good, not great. What Tugel done coming in was the two in front of him protected the three behind him with those wingbacks. And it really opened up after the red card. And, you know, it showed that they're not good enough you know, for the level that we're aspiring to. And it, it's, it's concerning. But like you said, I don't think we should be in a total meltdown about the whole situation. I think they can, with 11 men on the pitch, I think they will be stronger in their unit as we've seen them before. Mm. Yeah, and that second goal too, right? Because there was, I believe it was Zuma, Reese James, and Alonso who was right next to Pereira when he cut it back onto his left foot. I mean, like that's a goal that should not happen, right? I mean, there's three Tosa players behind the ball. Mendy's in the middle of his goal where it's it's where he should be because Pereira's looking where Mendy's at. But Reese James, Alonso, and Zuma just let Pereira casually cut onto his left foot and he puts a brilliant goal in credit to West Brom for being so damn clinical in this game because that's really what changed the game. He got that second goal before halftime, like we mentioned. I mean, that just completely changes the game plan. But like you said, I don't think I want to re- overreact way too much to this game because 
we've seen how successful we've been so far in Thomas Strickland. It's a concern, but at the same time, we know that we can do, we can put in really great performances against really big teams. And we have a really big team in Porto coming up on Wednesday evening. We have to travel to Seville, interestingly enough, for these two legs due to restrictions. It's kind of a shame that we can't play the home like at Stanford Bridge like we did against Letico. But so be it. We go to Seville, Olivier Giroud's garden, who scored four goals there, of course, last fall in the Champions League. I actually, this is a player, and this is actually what I want to get into is, is against Porto because, of course, we can't underestimate them, right? I mean, they beat the likes of Juventus and Cristiano Ronaldo pretty resoundingly watching those two legs. They were the dominant team. I don't think Juventus ever really stood a chance in that fixture in that time. They were brilliant. Porto was, of course, of course, uh, of course, coached brilliantly. They're not doing so hot right now in, in Portugal, in the Portugal League, but their focus is on the Champions League. And it's going to be a super tough fixture. And we're going to need the experienced players to be playing this game, which is luckily enough, Diego Silva won't be suspended for this game, even though we had that terrible red card. I expect him to play once again. This is what I want to get into right now is who do you want to see on the pitch against Porto? Because it's going to be a super tough game. I would love to, of course, give Olivier Giroud a start once again because he hasn't been playing that many minutes. But going forward, this is a huge tie against Porto. And hopefully we can get an away goal in Seville come Wednesday evening. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's Thiago Silva or Christiansen in the middle. Uh, you know, for me, he's got to go with Thiago Silva because he's going to be suspended, obviously, in the league. Rudiger needs to come back. I guess Asby will keep his place as well. Um, you know, I'd like to actually see Reese James go into that back three and that, and that right side and, and see what he does there. Yeah, and then allow you know, Hudson Odoi on that right wing back position. I think he's been um, he's been good when he's played there, and I like him there. I expect it to be Asby though, and and Reece James on the right. Chilwell perhaps coming on the left. You know, I don't think Porto are a massive. Um, group of players, you know, saying that with no actual knowledge of if they are or not, but I don't think they are off the top of my head. Um, so Chilwell probably coming back in on the left. You know, you expect Mount to, to come in. Um, it's, it's difficult. I think we work best with, with Havertz as a false nine. It seems like Werner's going to play regardless, you know, so does Ziyech then miss out again? Does Mount drop into the, the double six because Jorginho and Kovacic were were worse than useless yes, uh, yesterday? Does Billy Gilmore get a start? I don't think Tuchel probably trust him enough yet. I don't think he's he's ready. I think he should have gone on loan. I think that was a mistake from Tuchel as well. But I kind of expect the senior players to play, you know, Rudiger, Silva, um, Asby, Reese James, Ben Chilwell. Kovacic, Jorginho, Mount Havertz, and Werner. Interesting, interesting. I, I actually, I like that point that you make about Mesa Mount going to the double six row because I think that frees up, of course, an attacking space. And it's something that I want to see happen. I want to see Mount and Kovacic right next to each other. I mean, I think that midfield, the work rate of that midfield would be brilliant against Porto. I have to check what kind of formation Porto lines up with in the midfield. But I think Mesa Mount... Was it against the, the last game before, of course, international duty when we played? Who did we play before international duty? It was so long ago. I can't even remember this game. I'm trying to think. Who was it in the Premier League? Oh, you, you can't ask me questions like that. <laughs> Let me um, 
I don't know who it was. Oh, it was, it was right Sheffield. Now. It was Sheffield, of course, in the FA Cup. That's why I couldn't remember it, because it was Sheffield in the FA Cup. But Mount played <laughs> in the double six, right? And I think that's something that I really like to see against Porto with Kovacic, because I don't think Kovacic was terribly going forward. I think he actually was quite good dribbling tight spaces. But, of course, he, he had some pre-odds errors that, that led to some goals, not really defending. But what I would go with is I would give, of course, Mendy the start again just to kind of give a full 11. I would probably take Silva over Christensen just for the experience factor. And then I put Rudiger at left center back. And I think he's, I, I think I'm going to say what I think he's going to do. And then I'll tell you what I think I wanted, like I want to have him do. So I think he's going to put Aspia at right center back. Like you mentioned, I think he's going to play Reese James. I think he's going to play Jorginho and Kovacic was kind of, I don't know how it makes me feel because I think Jorginho, of course, he, he's played really good so far in Atuko and he's had some really great moments. But I just, against a team like Porto, who's really dynamic in the midfield, and we saw it just against West Brom, and I know it was one game, but just how bad Jorginho was dribbling in tight spaces, playing out from the back. You can't make those errors in the Champions League quarterfinal. So I, I think he's going to play Jorginho and Kovacic in the midfield, and I think he's going to get Ben Chihuahua a start. Like you mentioned, I think he'll probably play Timo Werner for some God knows why reason, even though I think Timo Werner would be a great player for Chelsea going forward. I think he'll play Werner. I think he'll play – I think he will play Havertz. I think he will play Havertz, and then I think he'll play Mason Mount opposite of him. What I would like to see him do, of course, that same back three I'd go with Aspie, Silva, and Zuma. i play – Reese James at right wing back, and then I'd play Mountain Kovacic in the midfield too. But I'd actually I'd play Kalimutsu and Joe as that left wing back role, and then I'd play Hakim Ziyech on the right because I think he's very good in the Champions League. He's shown that against Atletico Madrid. He offers great passing ability. He played I think a pretty good game against West Brom, and then I would have started Pulisic, but he's not going to be fit. I'm going to play Kai Havertz because I think he deserves the start. And then I'll start Olivier Giroud up top because I think that Giroud and Ziyech would work really well with each other. And I hope that happens. I don't think Drew is going to start, but I think for a player like that's in his 30s, the Champions League quarterfinal, I think it's, it would be a great opportunity for him to get the start. I'll pause the episode right here now. I just want to tell you that Brighton have actually just scored against Man United, which is kind of funny. Um, but... Um, yeah, I think I think it's gonna be a great contact, uh, great topic for Tuchel going forward. And we'll see what he says in the press conference. The team's probably gonna have to travel in the next couple of days because he has to go to Seville and, of course, get a train session in over there. But the team selection is gonna, I think, really gonna be interesting because Tuchel, of course, has so many options. It's a real shame that our best player, in my opinion, in Golo Conte, is not gonna be able to play in this fixture because I think he just brings so much to this team. But going forward in the Premier League to stay on the league topic, of course. Luckily enough for us, Spurs did another Spurs today. They drew against Newcastle. But they're closing in on us, and so are Liverpool. And I'm more scared about Liverpool because we know how damn good they can be on their day. Of course, beating Arsenal on the weekend. I believe they're only... What are they? Are they two points behind us in the table right now, Liverpool? Yes, they are two yeah, points two behind points. us right now. Yeah, they're in, they are in. They sit in sixth place. West Ham, of course, game in hand. We'll see what they do. 
against their next opponent. We have, we're playing them in the next couple of weeks. But also, I think Everton still aren't, aren't still aren't out of this race quite yet because they have two games in hand on us. And if they actually, if they win both of them, they jump ahead of us. So going forward in the Premier League, this top four is so important going forward for summer signings, right? to get the players that we want to get, to have more money, to attract more stars, but also just for the club in general. We want to be playing in the Champions League. And this was really blip in our in our hopes because this would have been a really nice win to get. Of course, we couldn't even get a point out of it, which is really frustrating. But going forward, what are your chances? What are your thoughts and our expectations going forward in the top four race? Because I think there's so much opportunity to go forward and, and buy a great player in the summer with the money that we can attain from the Champions League. But we're going to have to get that top four spaces and all these teams are so clustered together. But for my heart's sake, I hope it doesn't go to the final day like it did last year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the expectation of people is to finish in the top four. The reason that Lampard was, was sacked is because they didn't see that he was capable of of turning the form around and getting back into the Champions League as he did in his first season. So, you know, the expectation should be top four because I think we're good enough. As you said, there's a lot of teams there in and around those areas, you know, West Ham, a bit of a surprise package this year. You know, the team that I predicted would get relegated at the start of the season, you know, almost qualifying for the Champions League. Liverpool sort of picking back up their form after their dreadful period. You know, they're, I think, the ones to watch out of all of them. But I, I wouldn't sort of count Leicester out of this top four mm. sort of hunt. I know they're third, but I think they're going to drop some more points. I think they are the team that can be got out. And, you know, we've gone, you know, 14 unbeaten and then lose to West Brom. It's, it's not, you know, the end of the world. You know, out of 15 games, we've lost one. That's this pretty good form, you know. And, you know, we've got obviously Crystal Palace um, in the league next. You know, traditionally has been a tough game for us. Um, yeah, then we've got Brighton at home. So, you know, we've got teams that you expect us to beat. Um, so, you know, I think we'll, you know, we'll be in a good shout, I think, for the top four. You know, I think we need to, you know, focus on what we've done well under Tuchel rather than looking at this game in isolation. As you said, it you know, affects everything. You know, Haaland is available this summer. We know that. We are one of a few number of teams that can afford and can buy him this summer. If we finish outside of the top four, that opportunity disappears and, you know, Along with Mbappe, I think he's going to be, you know, sort of the generational player for the next 10 years. And, you know, if we're not in the conversation to buy him, that obviously affects us in the future. And, you know, we we need signings. We know that. We need new defenders. We need a new midfielder. We need a new striker to, you know, help us get back to to winning titles and competing for the Champions League. You know, I think we've, we've dropped a level in the last few years and we need to get back to, to where Chelsea should be for the sort of under the team they are under Roman and you know all of that relies on on top four you know again so you know getting there is the most important thing this season and looking at Leicester's fixtures too in the upcoming weeks you mentioned you think that they can drop points they have to like say Manchester United they have to of course play us again but then of course they play Tottenham and then they have that FA Cup semi-final against Southampton so there's opportunities for drop points there we of course traveled to Selhurst Park after we played Porto like you mentioned it has been a tough game for us in the past couple years going to Selhurst Park but I think that with the Champions League being the quarterfinals it feels really good being a Chelsea fan right because we haven't been there in such a long time 
and then we're in a semifinal of the FA Cup, which is a topic for a next podcast in the next couple of weeks. But real quick before we end the podcast, Gene, thanks once again for joining us today. Talk a little bit about your work with the Chelsea Fancast, but also for the Chelsea women because they're a team that is absolutely brilliant right now. Of course, first in the WSL, they're in the semifinal of the Women's Champions League, and they're just absolutely brilliant coached. And they're a great team, and they're probably the best. They probably have the best staff in the world right now for the women's side, and they're in the semifinal for the first time in club history. Roman Branch has Roman has invested in this team, and it's paid off because they've been so brilliant this season, dominating the league, but also domestically, um, internationally, they're playing so well right now. Of course, winning six 0 today. Just talk a little bit about your work with the fan cast and, and, and your writing with the fan cast, but also this women's team because they're not dropping points like we are against the teams like West Brown. They just keep winning every damn week. Yeah, you know, like you said, you know, with the fan cast, they write a, a weekly column um, that goes out on a Monday, obviously appear on the podcast when, whenever Cheech has me on. I know he was on your show recently, you know. Um I also do CFC UK, which is the fanzine that's sold at the ground. And, you know, what sort of launched sort of November was a new podcast called Went to Mo Kings Meadow, which we do through the fan cast platform. Um, because I wanted to start taking an interest, you know, in the, in the brand of Dan sort of on your show as well. They were talking about one of their games and I thought, you know, I need to sort of start watching this team. And no one was really doing a podcast weekly just on them. So my cousin Janie does it with me. She's a season ticket holder. She goes every week when you're allowed. And, you know, and I started watching them sort of from November time, really. And they're just fantastic. They're the, they were the perfect antidote to what was happening with the men's team because they were consistently good. Uh, and Emma's you know, built a fantastic team. You know, Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr, Penilla Harder. You know, that's the player of the year, 2019, Sam Kerr. And Harder was the player of the 2021, without doubt. So you've got three best players in the world as your attack. They're fantastic to watch. You know, you mentioned they don't drop points against teams like West Brom. They lost their unbeaten streak to, um, to Brighton not too long ago. And it was a bit of a shock. But what that's done is it's refocused the team you know, 10 times over. Uh, and now they, they're ruthless in every game. Uh, and that could be something that, that Tuchel does with the men's team after this loss. You know, it refocuses them. You know, they're not on top of the world anymore. They've got to re-go. I can't recommend them highly enough to watch. They're so, they're so, they're so good. You know, they're just fun to watch. They're a great group of people. There's a great community following the women's team. If you get involved with the women's supporters group, and um, the likes of the CFCW social you know, it's fantastic. And I look forward to their games more than the men's games, you know. And then when we lost yesterday, I was upset, disappointed. And then sort of I'm thinking, oh, Chelsea women are going to play tomorrow. And I'm excited for that. And I forget about the fee. So it has its uses in that sense as well. Yeah, like I said, the podcast, Kings Meadow, we do that every week, cast platform. But real team at the moment, to watch they're in the semi-final like you said they've got a chance of winning the champions league the league and the fa cup they've already won their league cup this year so they could have a quadruple season so they, there's not been a better time to start watching them than now 
I recommend everyone listen, of course. Go check out Dean's Rook with the Chelsea Fancast. Real quick before we wrap up the podcast, Dean, where can my audience find you on social media, but also your work? You mentioned a little bit about your work, of course, the magazine that sells at the ground on Mad Shades when fans are in attendance. But where can they find those articles? Maybe online, but also your social media accounts to follow your work. So you can follow my personal account at Dean Mears. Um, the podcast is at Mo Kings Meadow. And with the fan scene, you can get that through only a pound. Um, it's available as a digital copy as well as um, you can get it through the post in the UK. As you fancast, you'll find sort of my, my written work you know, through them. And, and anytime I'm on the podcast, you'll see that as well. Well, thank you once again, Dean, so much for coming on the podcast today. As always, you guys can find us at Lad from Matthew Harden Podcast on Instagram. Really trying to grow that account, so make sure to go give us a follow. But also, you can find me on Twitter at GeneHookum13, of course. Make sure to give the podcast a five-star rating and review. Of course, go check out Dean's work with the fan cast because he does an absolutely brilliant job capturing this women's team's success so far this season. Once again, make sure to give us all a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't take too much time of your day, and it's greatly appreciated. Until next time, Chelsea fans, a big game against Porto. Midweek will have a preview coming out in the next couple of days against Porto. It's a huge week for Chelsea. It's a huge couple of months for Thomas Tuchel. Can we bounce back from the adversity of Saturday at lunchtime? Hopefully we can in the next couple of days. Until next time, Chelsea fans, talk soon and up to Chelsea.